Institute of World Mission podcast. You're listening to the show for Adventist cross-cultural mission enthusiasts. My name is Alex Ott, and together with the IWM team, we invite you to join us today. This podcast is a production of the Institute of World Mission brought to you with support of the General Conference Missions family of ministries and services. Hi there, friends. The interview today is part of a series of podcast episodes devoted to the topic of honor and shame. The fact of the life is that most majority world cultures are deeply steeped in the cultural values of honor and shame. You see, these values drive people's thinking, their behavior. They are the core of their worldview. Some of us intuitively understand what that means, maybe because we are from those cultures or have spent a lot of time among the people of those cultures. And for others, especially from much of the Western world, those categories uh, can be very foreign. So in today's interview, Gabriela Phillips and Dr. Saman take up this issue of honor and shame and especially how it relates to the culture of Jesus. Gabriela is Adventist Muslim Relations Director for the North American Division, and within the interview, she specifically introduced Dr. Saman, so I'm not going to repeat that here. Together, they paint the picture of the honor and shame values as they are the very fabric of the home culture of Jesus himself. So we will deliver this whole interview to you in two parts. I will talk about the second part right at the end of this episode today. Thank you to another episode on our series in honor shame here for the podcast of the Institute of World Mission. Today, I am pleased to introduce to you Dr. Philip Saman. Dr. Philip Saman has just recently retired, so I was pleased to get to um, schedule some time with him. That doesn't mean that he's not busy and we're going to talk about it, but it means that he is busy in a different way. He gets to choose what kind of projects he gets involved. For those of you who have not um, heard about Dr. Saman, which I'm sure most of you have because of his South School contribution, Dr. Saman has served over 40 years as a professor in different capacities, just retired from Southern Adventist University, and prior to that, he served in, um, in Andrews University in Michigan among many other things, and um, he has produced several books um, like Christ's Way to Pray, Christ's Way to Restoration, and so forth. But today we are here with Dr. Saman because his fingers are burning, and it's not bread that he's bringing, but a book that has just come out of the press. So welcome, and thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for inviting me, Gabby. I appreciate it. Great. So... um, just two weeks ago, is that so? Even less, you got this new book that I'm holding Actually, in my it hand. Was yesterday. Yesterday, oh my Heart goodness, how recent. Press. It's really burning in your fingers then. It's called The Mid East Messiah Culture Insights into Christ's Life and Ministry. And I, you are the first one to receive this as a gift. Oh my goodness, I'm going to keep this copy. It's going to be very valuable sometimes, especially because it's going to be autographed. So, Dr. Saman, there are thousands, hundreds of books on Jesus out there. What drove you to, to see the need to another book on the life of Jesus? What is unique to this book? What's the contribution? Since I came to this country 
54 years ago, I longed to write a book capturing the richness of Christ's culture and helping Western people appreciate the deeper, richer meaning of his life and ministry, that sometimes we see Christ and his ministry on the surface, but I want to go deeper and, uh, and approve some of these big ideas about his life and teachings and ministry. Great. So le- let's go back a little bit. Um, you told me several times that you can smell, that you can taste the food that Jesus ate. Why is that? Tell us a little bit about your childhood. What kind of cultural background you bring to this book that has helped you to see the layers of meaning that most people are missing out? Well, when I read... Uh, the stories of Jesus and his miracles and his parables, I sense I'm taken back. I'm transported back where? to my culture. Okay, where is your culture? Uh, I was born in Syria. Okay, which city? If you a city, a, a coastal city on the Mediterranean Sea. Okay. A small town. A small town. And so mm-hmm. when I read the stories about Jesus, it reminds me of the things I saw every day. Okay, so paint a little bit of a normal day in the life of someone like you, like yourself living in that culture. Well, for example, you take the olives yes. to the common uh, oil press of the whole village. Uh-huh. And you remember what Jesus said about that. And then the smell of the olives yeah, just come back to you. Yes, yes, right. all of that. Plus, you see farmers with their winnowing fork, mm. like Jesus talks about. Yes. You, you look at the fig trees that Jesus talked about, yes. olive trees, pomegranates, yes. and also the way people plow the fields. You see oxen with, um, with yoke on their necks. And mm-hmm. so all of that reminds you, till this day, of what Jesus talked about. Talk to me about your mother's kitchen, because you have given pretty much male images so far, and I'm okay with that, but as a female, tell me what images Jesus brings that are kitchen home base that connect with you heart to heart? Well, I tell you, when it comes to Jesus, he's all for having a heart-to-heart relationship with us. And the mother in my culture is the most honored person. Mm. I mean, after all, the mother is the one who brings you to this world, who nurtures you. And so we, we have tremendous respect for mothers, as Jesus did. And uh, so then... When I talk about Jesus in his culture, I try to bring out a, a renewed sense of respecting our mothers, respecting yes. our elders, showing this reverence and honor to people who are older than us, wiser than us, including the parents. I'm always intrigued, and maybe you can answer this question for me, why Jesus would go to the house of Martha and, um, and Mary and why wasn't called the house of Lazarus? I mean, after all, he's the man in the house. Oh, well, what a question you're asking. I wonder about it as well. Uh, because I believe uh, Jesus wanted to show honor to women, to these two sisters. Because in that culture, often the focus is on men. Right. You know, like genealogies about men. Uh, the 12 disciples of Jesus, men. Yes. And I think Jesus wanted yes. to show honor and respect for women, which was not common at that point. Oh, Look absolutely. how we talked to the Samaritan yes. woman. Right. No Jew was even allowed 
to speak to a Samaritan man. And now Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan woman by himself mm. to show that he has tremendous regard for everybody made in his amen, image. Amen. Those of you who have just joined us today for the first time for this uh, episode, let me remind you that this is just one uh, presentation out of a series of a number of topics that are all related with, with the culture of honor and shame. And what we want to do is go beyond descriptions and kind of lift up the hood and see what kind of mechanism and fuel is driving the vehicle of this culture. So we're going to try to get inside of the culture. And that's why we are blessed here to have Dr. Saman that is speaking to us as an insider to the culture, not just someone looking um, at uh, what is different. So Dr. Saman, you have described that Jesus brings alive. When you read the scriptures, it comes alive because of these images, these sounds, these colors connect with your world. Okay, yes. so what what kind of stories um, do you get different than John Smith, my neighbor here, who has grown up here in the in the woods of Tennessee and has never been exposed to the same cultural background and emotional attachment that you have? The stories that Jesus tells and the experiences he talks about take on a richer meaning if you understand his culture. For example, I'll give you an example right. here. You know, when, when Jesus was in, the house, was in the house of Simon, the leper, whom yes. he healed from leprosy earlier, to us it's just like we see it more or less on the surface. But, but look at what Jesus talked about. He said, Simon, you claim to be my friend, but I came to your house. You didn't even wash my feet. You didn't even give me a kiss. What's you the big deal of not washing oil. people's feet? I well, mean, seriously. You know, I mean, in this culture, we don't understand that. Exactly. That's uh, what I'm asking. So why, why would you wash, as I did, by the way, right. when I was back in the old country, wash the guest's feet? Because it shows great honor to the guest. Uh, why? Because, you know, in that culture, the feet represent the most base part of the body. Mm-hmm. This is where you walk on dirty roads yes. with your sandals. And the head represents the most noble part of the body. Mm-hmm. So when you wash somebody's feet, you're saying to them, I honor you, I respect you, I love you. Because remember, when you wash somebody's feet, your head, which is the most noble part of your body, has to come low to where the feet are to say, you know something? I want my best, the most noble thing about me, to reach you at your feet. That's the significance of it. So you are really building up the relationship with a person by telling them, you are so important to me. I value you so much that I'm going to lower the most honorable part of my body to the level of your feet. And that's what Jesus said to, to uh, Judas, by the way. Um, at, at the service of... Uh, Last foot supper. washing, yeah, yeah, last supper, and when he washed the feet of Judas, what was he saying to us? Well, he was nice. I mean, he was nice to Judas. He wanted him to repent and all that. That's all true. But there was a message Jesus was conveying, and that is, Judas, I don't care how bad you are. Right. I don't care how far you've gone away from me. I wow. want you to know that my best can help you at your, your worst. Wow. Your wow. feet wow. What a piece represent of the worst. Even thinking of selling me wow. for 30 pieces of silver, okay? That's bad. Yeah. But I want you to know when my head and my hands reach your feet, to wash your feet, I'm telling you, 
my best, as Jesus, can reach you at your worst. And isn't that a wonderful lesson it's to learn? It's a picture of grace. That Jesus' Beautiful. best can yes. reach us and help us at our worst. So wow. that's a deeper significance. It's not just simply Jesus being kind yes. to Judas. Now, what I sense from the story that you just presented to us is a good example that the sense of worth that Jesus attributed to Judas was not rooted in Judas' worth. It was attributed in Jesus' decision to honor him regardless of who he was. Absolutely. Because, and that's grace. Because he saw value in him. Right. What the value? The value of creating him plus the value of giving his life for him on the cross. What? So Jesus gave him value. And that's the point of grace. Grace is when you receive something that you don't deserve. But now you are confronted. Am I going to accept this gift? I'm going to receive you washing my feet. Mm -hmm. And if I'm receiving this gift, I'm receiving you, not just your gift. Absolutely. And that yes. would change the way I relate to you. So, so the focus on the giver, yes. not the gift. Exactly. The focus is right. on the heart. Right. Of people Jesus met, not so much their house. Remember Mary? Yes. As you mentioned before, Sister Martha? Yes. Jesus wasn't there for food. Right. He was yes. there for fellowship. Yes. I mean, he you would see? get tired and he just like, this is a place to crash. Right. But I, most people home. focus yes. on the food. That's I right. can't invite people out because the food is not ready, the house is not ready. Yeah. But they're looking for fellowship. And so Jesus didn't allow it, food to, to come between them and his friends. He right. wants fellowship. Right. And that's profound because it takes away our excuses. Yes. Because everybody can give presence to someone else. Even in the worst, most simple house, and even in poverty, you can always offer that presence. Right. And Jesus is saying, I'm looking for presence. Can you give presence? And to be honest with you, that's tough. But most people are looking for presence. Yes. They're not looking for persons. Yeah. They're looking for presence. Yes. And so when I visit my students on the campus, yes. in the dorm rooms, in the library sometimes oh i visit faculty members they wonder why why are you reaching out to me hmm. is there a problem <laughs> did i fail my exam do you want yeah. to report me to your committee i said yeah. no so why are you here <laughs> uh -huh. i'm here because jesus mingled with people as that's one right. designed their good i'm here yeah. because you're a valuable person oh but, really but that's the key there isn't it jesus mingle well you can mingle for many reasons for many reasons. Personal gain can be a reason to mingle, you know? To get your vote. Yes. To, to get, get you support. Exactly. exactly. To so sell you something. Do that. Yeah. But Jesus mingled because he desired people's good. Right. That's the difference between so the, motive the Jesus is important. way. The motive yes. is important. It's from the, it makes it call, the whole difference. But, but, but look at this whole thing. Jesus mingled with people for altruistic motives. Yes. Often people mingle with others yeah, to for get something. ulterior. Right. You know right, how these right. two words are so close? Yeah. altruistic, ulterior, that's hidden right. agenda. Yes, yes. And often that's how relations are. There's a hidden agenda. You know, like I'm reaching out to you because of something. But to reach out to people because they are people right. like Jesus. Amen. And that's, that's why beautiful. in the book I talk about that. And yeah. the value in yeah. reaching out people for their sake. Yeah. It gives such a sense of reward to know I'm just loving in Jesus' name genuinely. I mean, when I read Genesis 12, 3, um, that God is calling Abraham to partner with him as a missionary to the nations. And he says, what am I calling you, Abraham, for? And we are his children. I'm calling you so that you can bless the nations. And I always tell people, if you go with the heart of blessing to somebody's house, would they ever reject you? 
Mm-mm, no. Impossible. They could experience that blessing. That, that's what you were talking about, isn't right. it? It's this heart that desires people's good. So let's continue a little bit now more deeper in the book. Yes. Telling me, tell me here a little bit about um, some of the chapters. Um, I should actually read the titles. The Uniqueness of Jesus. Uniqueness of Christ. Nobody is like Christ in the whole world. Yeah. He's different than Buddha, and he's different than Muhammad, and he's different than Mahavira. He's unique. Yes. And that's why in the book I talk about John 3.16. The word begotten is not in the Greek. Mm. The word monogeneous, which means one of a kind, unique. Unique in what? The only one who can take away our sin and give us his righteousness. The only one who can take away our death and give us life, abundant life, eternal. Exalted life. Nobody can do that except Jesus. So at the beginning of this book I want to establish this awesome reality that Christ is unique and he can solve our problems Amen. in a way nobody else can. And I think that he's also unique in the sense that he's the only one who practiced the kenosis, the self-empty of himself to the point of bleeding to death. Right. I mean, wow. No one can make such Instead claim. Of pushing himself up yes. like other leaders, right. he pushes himself Yeah, he down. came to wash people's feet. Right. Oh, that's right. We go back to the idea... To yes. say to us, I want my best. Yes. I want my glory, my honor, my godhood, my eternity. My creative hands touching you filthy feet. Exactly. Wow. So, so his hands were not only marred with clay in our yes. creation, they're smeared with warm blood mm. at our recreation on the cross. Mm-hmm. And he's coming to us and saying, I want my head to be at your feet. I want my best to reach you at your worst. And by the way, if you go back to Mary's example, yeah. when Jesus said, Samuel, kiss me on the cheek, that's a custom that Father God. You yes. kiss your friends you like on the cheek. Yes. And Mary didn't feel worthy to kiss him on the cheek because she had been equal to him. And mm-hmm. she used everything to minister to Jesus from the face, head area. And so you see, she didn't have basin, her eyes were the basin, she didn't have water. The tears were the water. She didn't feel worried to kiss him on the cheek. Her lips kissed his feet. And then she didn't have a towel. It was in her house. She used her hair, the glory of a woman, to dry his feet, saying so clearly, Jesus, I want the best I have to reach you at your feet. Now, mm-hmm. now often we think, well, she was nice to Jesus, but we need to go beyond the surface and exactly. see the significance of what she did. Imagine if we have the idea of me, you say, Lord Jesus, you've done so much for me. How can I thank you for that? I want the best about me to reach you at your feet. Wow, wow. Jesus' values. Talk to me a little bit what it's Middle Eastern about Jesus' values, but what is kingdom values also? What, what Jesus did that shocked the culture of his time? You know, it's interesting you asked me this question because this is a prelude for the book I'm writing about how to revive vanishing virtues. In this culture. I mean, what about honor? Yes. What about respect? Yes. What about courtesy? What about goodness? Right. What yeah. about honesty? Yes. These values are vanishing today. Yes. We need to revive them. And so I'm talking about old-fashioned values that Jesus practiced, that right. we need to practice now, today. Now, these values go beyond the culture. Because I could say, well, I'm not in that culture anymore. You know, those values belong there. But what about us? Here, living in the United States and uh, in different parts of the world, 
are those values eternal values, kingdom values, or are just cultural values? They are kingdom values, they're eternal values. Why? Because they were practiced by Jesus. Mm. I mean, how can you go wrong? How can I go wrong if we practice the values Jesus practiced? You see, Jesus transcends every culture. His ways right. transcend all That's ways. Right. That's right. So we can never go wrong yes. to say, I want to practice Jesus' values. Right. Instead of saying, oh no, I want to practice my Asian values, my American values. I mean, that's fine. But that would be wonderful to reach Jesus' values. See, you know something? This transcends everything. Right. Well, I think that these this Jesus' values you're talking about, while he expressed them in the culture of the Middle East, the value behind is relational, is reconciliation. Relational. So every value that builds the other into the image of God is a value that should be preserved. Because Absolutely. obviously in the Western world, we do have good values. Yes. Also, that are kingdom values that maybe are not practiced in the Middle East. Right. But ultimately, the test is, is this a value that builds into the image of God? It's, it's a value that builds community, that reconciles us. By, that draw us together. If that, the answer is yes, by all means, we should nurture those kind of values. In order for us to become more Christ-like. Amen. You Amen. see, it's not That's so much point. becoming like that person or that right. leader. No. How can I practice Christ's eternal values to be more like Jesus? How can it be a yeast in the dough of my culture? Exactly. And yes. to be restored into Christ's image. Now, tell me... Tell me your favorite story. When you were writing this book, I'm sure there was many stories, but tell me maybe one story that, uh, that you take great pleasure in writing about. And I can see that the story of washing people's feet in Simon's house, that's dear to your heart. I, I could feel it. Uh, I'm sorry, for those of you who are not in this living room, you cannot see what I see. But is there any other story that's like, because I read it with these Eastern eyes, this story is so beautiful. Because we're not just talking here rational thinking. We're talking about beauty. It's stories coming to life. What would that be? Well, you know, I have so many of these stories in the book. But one, as I did the research, popped into my mind. And Jesus is walking with his disciples. Uh-huh. And there is this funeral procession. There are many of those in the Middle East, by the way. Yes. And people are crying and moaning mm, yeah. and grieving, and they yeah. express it openly. The it's women okay. are making a lot of noise. A lot of noise, you yes. know, in this culture. Yes. Women, you know, I mean... You express like, your love the loudest. Yes. yes. But, you know, remember, uh-huh. uh, maybe you're too young to remember this, but when John F. Kennedy died... Yeah, I wasn't born. <laughs> you were not born yet. <laughs> no, no, not I, yet. I just knew it, you know. <laughs> and so the yeah. press, the yeah. media took such pride in saying Jacqueline Kennedy yes. did not shed one tear. Oh, okay. And therefore she was so stoic and so brave. Yeah. When yeah. I heard that story when I was a teenager living in this country, I thought, what a terrible thing. Yeah. I mean, this woman <laughs> right, didn't really right, miss right. her husband. Right. I mean, wouldn't she shed one tear? Right. In my culture, in Jesus' culture, this would be terrible yeah. that you don't show grief for right. someone you love. Yeah. So there's a difference in the culture. So yeah. I'm talking connected to the story that mm-hmm. really impressed me, and that is you have this funeral procession. Yeah. And they put the body in that casket, and mm-hmm. men carry it, but yes. you could see. I mean, right. if you go high enough, you will see the face, the body yes. of the dead person. Dead. And this mm-hmm. w- widow had only one son. In that culture, you've got to hang out to this one son. That, that's so your he hope. has no male protectors. No male protectors. Husband gone. Yes. Son gone. Right. Yes. And so yes. what a desperate situation. 
Right. And Jesus faces this funeral procession. Yeah. And he felt sympathy in his heart for this woman. That's so he was grieving with everybody else. He was else. grieving with everybody So everybody's grieving, yeah. he's grieving. What is the difference between the grief of Jesus and the grief of the neighbor? Well, the grief of Jesus, he's not only thinking of this woman losing her son, yes. her only support and hope in this life, but he's also thinking of how people should have the hope that someday, in spite of death, his oh, resurrection power, his life right, right, right. is going to bring everything. So he's to looking life. at the big picture. He's looking here. at the big picture at that right. moment and forever. And now he stops this crowd. Wait a minute, you say something very key here, and I want to pick and not pick that yes, up. Yes, yes. He's not just looking at the individual loss. This woman lost a son. He's looking at the whole community has lost a loved one. Exactly. And this whole community is in need of being restored a sense of hope. Exactly. And not only community, but the whole right. world suffering the loss of right. loved ones and right. facing death. And he was trying to say to everybody, mm. I am your hope. I am the wow. resurrection and the life. If you wow. believe in me, though you're dead, you shall live again. So that the echo of those words will reach all the generations from then on. And nobody could do what Jesus did because right. he's the only source of life. Right. So look, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, I've been in these funerals many times as a child growing up in the Middle East. And yes. it's so sad, and people are crying, and women are groaning, and, yes. and, and now Jesus stops everybody. And there is a sense of chaos also. I've been in such funerals myself. Yes. And everybody's crying, children running around, women taking food. And beating their chests. Yes. Yes, and yes. their heads. And throwing dirt sometimes on their heads. <laughs> yes. yes. It's a very sad situation. Yes. And Jesus interrupts the sad situation with hope. That's right. And he comes and he stops you. Nobody stops funerals. I mean, yes. nobody. The right. funeral proceeds to the grave. That's right. To the burial site. Now, Jesus yes. said, wait a minute. Before burial, I have some hope for you. So he stopped everybody. And he said, he looked at this dead boy. And he said... Get up! Wow. I mean, just imagine wow. the picture. Wow. I imagine the picture. The what I imagine as a child. As a yeah. child, I look, looking at the dead man in the casket. Oh, sorry, he sits in the casket. And you know, the casket is kind of moving back and forth right, depending right, right. on the it's people a carrying. It's yeah. not and this guy yeah. sits up <laughs> and begins to talk. And Jesus says, Get him out <laughs> of this confine you know, and doing, set him free. By doing this thing is beautiful because I'm now picturing this man sitting there almost like when he's when someone takes someone else to a wedding procession yes you know that they put the the, the person sitting in on top right. and everybody's carrying happily uh -huh. so uh -huh. this funeral became almost like a wedding exactly procession everybody's there singing dancing I can imagine that the food becomes celebration exactly such a big celebration. Reversal. And Jesus yeah. gives this young man yeah. to his mother. Say, right. there is your son. That's right. There is hope for you. And so can you imagine, in, as you said, in the midst yeah. of this funeral procession, there's this, almost this wedding celebration. Yes, yes. Jesus reverses things. Yes. More Nine than anyone else. Date. From the bad wow. to the good. Beautiful story. I love it. I'm going to read this. it differently. He did this, you know why? Yes. Because his heart... Was moved, was, was moved with the woman's heart. Right. Your heart is broken for your son. Yes. My heart is broken with you. But there's hope. But I'm thinking also that, you see, in those kind of cultures, there is a sense that when you lose your, your protection, it's almost like a curse from God. 
you know? So here's a woman, she's lost her husband. Did she do anything to now lose her son? I mean, to lose her husband, I get it, you know? But the child, your son is supposed to bury you, not the other way around. That's true. And so Jesus came and said, God is not upset with you. He's the life giver. Mm-hmm. And he's actually going to honor you by choosing you among all the mourners in the city to restore your son back to you. I mean, what a way of honoring that woman. And reverse misconceptions yes. about God. That's right. She was told, because yes. you did something wrong, yes. God is punishing you. Exactly. But there is God in person in Jesus Christ. That's he says, right. I'm not punishing you. I'm the life I'm, giver. Yeah, I'm doing the opposite for I, you. I'm to bless you. Mm-hmm. All right. The second half of this interview is going to be published immediately following this one on the IWM podcast feed. But instead of waiting for a whole week till next Wednesday, we will still publish the second part not later than Friday this week. If you're listening to this sometime later, you will be able to easily see both of them right next to each other in the row of uh, all the other episodes. Together with the topic of honor and shame, friends, goes a very important skill of telling stories for the purposes of discipling cross-culturally. Just imagine, what if you were able to tell biblical stories at the right moment, in the right place, and in such a way that your stories could fit your friend's honor and shame culture? Wouldn't this be a powerful mix of skills for a cross-cultural discipler? To that end, Institute of World Mission is launching its first online video course on September 30. It's fully devoted to storytelling in a cross-cultural setting. You won't want to miss it. We now have a webpage on the IWM website where you can find additional information. Simply go to iwm.adventist.org forward slash storytelling. You will see the link in the show notes as well. My name is Alex Ott and I am looking forward to actually still see you this week when we will publish the second episode of this interview. See you then.